I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you for listening. Sorry again that we did not have an official episode last week. I uh, was finishing up a paper that I am ultimately not super happy about, but it's turned in, and that's all that matters uh, at this point. Uh, but uh, but yeah, and so I before we get to this week's episode, I did have a number of announcements uh, to tell you about as far as what's going on on the website. So there is a new episode of The Fear of God in which Reed and Nathan talk about the uh, the film Train to Busan, which I believe uh, Reed touted as the first uh, foreign horror movie that they have talked about. Uh, the latest trilogy anatomy uh, entry by Tober Corrigan, he writes about Alien 3, and he wrote about Alien 3 at my request because uh, he's he essentially talks about trilogy and he talks about the third film in a trilogy. Uh, and so Alien 3, though it is not actually a trilogy, there's a fourth film and now there's Prometheus and all that kind of thing. But, uh, but a, as far as Ripley's natural life, not her resurrected life, <laughs> uh, Alien 3 is the end of that little trilogy. And it's a, a film that is misunderstood or maybe it's understood, understood perfectly, but it is a, a, an underappreciated film. Uh, I recently did an interview with the website Zeke Film, and uh, that interview is actually available uh, on video and on their podcast, and so I've posted that at the website. Tim Acheson has, speaking of trilogies, Tim Acheson uh, wrote a series about the Revelation Road trilogy. Mm. Revelation Road is the Christian version of Mad Max, uh, <laughs> which apparently it goes to great pains to remind you of over and over again. And yet Tim does give them the benefit of the doubt and he calls out good stuff when he likes it and bad stuff when he doesn't. So, uh, and then there is uh, a new episode of Thimble Rig's arc, which is a little bit off, uh, off format for Nate, but I like that because, uh, when you're part of the same Facebook groups that I'm a part of, um, you start to notice certain debates come about and no, I'm not talking about VidAngel, which is back. Everybody VidAngel is back, which means I might get to do another episode about it, which can, uh, in which I talk about how much I don't care for it. But there has been a, a recent debate about the label of faith-based film and some Christian filmmakers are in favor of it and, uh, some are against it. Uh, some think that it is, uh, that they are saddled with that label and it does not allow them the full freedom to do what they want with their films. Others find it actually quite freeing that, okay, well now that I'm working under the faith-based label, that frees me up to do what I want because people know what to expect. Um, and I can do that while also maneuvering within it. So, 
so his episode about that is, is very interesting. And then lastly, uh, so my book worth watching is still available. You can buy it through more than one lesson.com, but you can also go to worthwatchingbook.com and you can uh, purchase it through that website, which is a very bare bones website. I must say, uh, it's essentially just, uh, an about section, a contact section, a uh, picture of the book and buy. Uh, so it is, it's $15, uh, at the moment, only United States addresses because shipping to other countries is, uh, killing me. So, um, I only did it once or twice, but that was enough. So, uh, so I think that is it, that that's it as far as announcements, but I will say, uh, and I mentioned this on last week's episode when I was just, uh, giving you updates and such. So we do have a sponsor now. And we're going to have a sponsor for a year, which is very exciting. Uh, so here we go. This episode is brought to you by Faith Life TV, a new streaming service for theology-minded Christians. Uh, now, I know that may sound redundant, but not every Christian is uh, theology-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's uh, kind of for nerds, I guess you could say. Uh, so it features numerous documentaries, Bible studies, and other resources. Other resources. Uh, Faith Life TV is currently available for $4.99 a month. Uh, currently available on Faith Life TV is a series called For Bitter or Better, Keys to a Great Marriage. It's an eight-part series which discusses finances, love languages, communication, and more. So if you're about to get married or looking to strengthen your marriage, check out For Bitter or Better. Also, listeners of More Than One Lesson can get a free month of Faith Life TV just just click on the ad at morethanonelesson.com and then follow directions from there. So uh, special thanks to Faith Life. As I explained last week, but it's very feasible. Nobody actually listened because it was just an eight-minute episode. Um, so essentially, uh, Ruben from Faith Life approached me about uh, reviewing one of their original documentaries and uh, my battleship pretension instincts kicked in and I said, Hey, how about instead of reviewing it, how about you sponsor the show for this film? And uh, Mm -hmm. then we can talk about it for a full month. But then I actually, I looked at the platform. I looked at Faith Life TV and there was a number of things on there that looked interesting to me. And I thought, well, if it looks interesting to me, it might be interesting to the to my listeners and so i reached out to ruben about uh sponsoring the show he seemed he was very enthusiastic to do so um so yeah he and i've been uh, going back and forth uh, it's very feasible that i will actually start doing some stuff for faith life tv some movie review related things which is very exciting and uh so i will say that uh it's it's a streaming service that i get behind um as i said last week if pure flicks were to offer to sponsor the show and they could probably sponsor it for a great deal more. Um, I would probably have to say no, because I really don't stand by a lot of the stuff that their platform puts out, but I like a lot of what faith TV puts out. And of course I haven't seen all of it, so I can't necessarily stand behind all of it, but I like their philosophy. Um, it is very much for more, maybe apologetics minded Christians. Um, like I was watching, I started watching one thing that was all about biblical translation and I thought, wow, this would be interesting to somebody that isn't me because it is so nerdy that it actually gets really specific. And I realized I'm only mildly interested in biblical translation, but there are some, you know, Bible nerds out there that'll be invigorated by that. So, uh, but then there's other stuff that interests me that other people would find, uh, 
pretty boring. So, uh, so in the same way that I'm a movie nerd, it is a, it is a site for, uh, for Bible nerds essentially. Um, but there's enough, they're, they're, they're getting more into independent production, mostly documentaries right now, but I know that Ruben wants to get into narratives in the future as well. So anyway, just to give you a little bit of background about faith life TV, our new sponsor, um, and uh, again, if you do want to get that free month, go through more than one lesson, click on the ad because that'll let them know that you got to them through me. So anyway, all right. Now, enough of that. We're seven minutes in and we haven't even introduced our guest. Now, I'm sure you you saw the, the title of the episode and you got confused because I'm Tyler Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, my name is Tyler. And then my, my, the first, uh, first letter of my last name is an S. Um, it's, it can be very confusing because our, our guest today, his name is Tyler Stracely. Mm, yes. He and I are in, he and I are, are both in the same, uh, uh, Bible study together. And when he showed up, uh, we thought like, oh man, there's two Tylers here. How about we say Tyler S? Oh no, we can't even do that. <laughs> so I think we all ultimately just settled on Tyler Smith and that other guy <laughs> or other Tyler or whatever, the, whatever we call you. Yes, I call but, you, but, but sometimes we're known as a Tylocracy. That's true. Yes. Which I appreciate. Yeah. There's, <laughs> Cause it brings us together. I think so. Um, <laughs> You know, I, and I do like that you and I are united front. It's mm. it's Tyler's against the rest of the group. Yeah, that's how I think about that's it. That's the way I look yeah. at it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, so my friend Tyler Stracely is here. Tyler, how you doing? I'm I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I I'm getting over a sickness again, and so it's it's not going to sound great for a little bit of this, but we're going to push through it. All right, everybody. So that's what you can expect from uh, Tyler Stracely. Uh, if, you, if you hear that and your first instinct is to make fun of the awkwardness, don't worry. Everybody has that instinct and it is, uh, it's a delight. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like, so you and I are, uh, obviously Facebook friends as well. And, uh, anytime there's a photo of you, but it's like you by yourself, you in a group and everything's fine. If it's a photo of you by yourself, you tend to smile in kind of like a, a nervous way. Yeah. Uh, as though you're very self-conscious. Right. And, and most people say dopey. That seems to be the word that everyone uses. <laughs> Did I say you dope? use that word okay. all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And I guess I don't know what else to do. I guess I guess I'll be more confident next time I take a picture. We'll there you see. go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Sorry, is it is it off putting when I say that you you have a dopey quality to your no, just not I, you, but you when you're when you're smiling in a alone in a picture, right? I, no, I think that makes me more inviting. You know, sure. you'd rather talk to the dopey guy than the guy who doesn't smile or the guy who seems mean. You know, you want to have a conversation with someone who just seems happy. You know, that's true. And doesn't care how dumb they look. Okay, fair enough. There's a lot to dig into here, but unfortunately, yeah. the listeners are likely not that interested. I know. I, yeah, let's let's get into my professional credits or anything else so that I can sound <laughs> a little bit more credible and like I belong here. Absolutely, you're super successful now. Oh, yeah. But we'll get we'll get more into that okay, in a moment. Okay. Uh, so, Tyler, where are you from? I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. The Midwest. Yeah. Right. Right so, there in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born there. I lived there for a good. 18 years, went to college for four years in just a little bit south of my hometown in Muncie, Indiana. Okay. At Ball State University, home of 
David Letterman and Papa John of Papa John's Pizza. Wow. Did you know that? I did not know oh, that. Okay. And Joyce DeWitt. She's our third claim to fame from Three's Company. Did Doug Jones go to Ball State? Oh, yeah. Doug Jones also went to Ball State. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah former more than one lesson guest, I yes, should mention. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. So I have a good relationship with this university, oh, I Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have not met him. I'd love to meet Doug Jones. You're the only person in the in the city that hasn't, I guess. <laughs> I yeah, he's everywhere. He's he's been in many things that my friends have done and yeah. and big movies. Yes, so. indeed. Uh, well, someday you'll meet him, and then he'll give you a yeah. big creepy hug. Not that he's <laughs> Is creepy. That what? Isn't but he he's, very? He's very tall, right? He's tall and very skeletal, and oh, so okay. uh, it is like a skeleton <laughs> hugging you, but it is more endearing okay. than that. Than that sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it's Great. not nearly as uh, Halloweenish uh, <laughs> when because he's uh, he has such a warm personality. Okay, but, um, okay, warm personality, but bones is what you're exactly. Yes. Okay, okay, yes. Uh, so okay. So you really just lived in Indiana your whole life. Yeah. I I mean, if it counts, I lived in London for four months hey. while I studied abroad. And I lived in New York for four months while I had an internship at The Daily Show. I don't think I knew about London. Did you not? Mm. I don't think so. That's it interesting. Was, yeah, it was during the 2008 election. So we were getting a perspective on what um, people in Britain thought about the election. And we really didn't do that though that was what we were supposed to do but okay but we didn't really ever go to class it was kind of just it was just a vacation kind of but i see but uh but it happened during the election so i got to vote absentee oh that's so, fun yeah i won't ask you how you voted okay. how you voted because you know what i i kind of like the idea of going back to a, a time when people did not have a right to mm. ask you how you voted and have any expectation that you right, would tell them right yeah that and that is Around the end of that, I guess. The, I'd say so. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, now people just, uh, if you don't answer, they assume you voted for the person they don't like. Yeah, yeah. So, because yeah. uh, I remember um, I was in, I think I think I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, I think so. And it was the, it was uh, Clinton Dole. Oh, So, wow. yes, okay. I'm, I know I'm older than you. Anyway, um oh. Yeah, weird. <laughs> when you talk about like these the the politicians that didn't win, like Dukakis, yeah, yeah, uh, suddenly it's like, wait, what? I know. I thought about that with McCain today. I was like, oh, McCain, yeah, yeah he ran, yeah. Um, and so, uh, and I remember I had asked um, my history teacher because it was the day of the election, and I said, you know, so who'd you vote for? And I told my mom later that uh, that I asked him that. And she said, oh, you you shouldn't ask people who they voted for. Like it's you know, people vote who for who they vote for and that's that's fine yeah and i remember thinking like oh that's interesting and that and that used to be the standard and i i'd like to bring that back so don't say <laughs> whom you voted for absentee in 2008 okay yeah yeah um but i'm going to assume no offense to all of our uh, british listeners that i have to assume that when people asked you about what was going on with the election all they did was say now what's all this then <laughs> stuff like that sure yeah okay. yeah yeah, yeah it figured. was it was a lot of a lot of like Cockney gibberish that I couldn't. Really sure. Can you get do a British through. accent? Oh, oh I, uh, I'm from the south part of England. So no, I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. So that's yeah. That's the answer, I guess. Okay. All right. No. Could have said no. But you I thought to... I'd give it a shot. Sure. You know? 
I mean, it's, it's part arguable of the dopiness I, that I that's have. That's true. Yeah, it's arguable whether I could do one. I just did a very yeah. stereotypical <laughs> accent. Right, right. I can right. do a lot of stereotypical accents yeah, yeah. that no one has ever sounded like. Sure. Um, so okay, well that's very that's that's actually very interesting. And so you had an assignment. Mm -hmm. while you were in London. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> was this, a, was this a, a college thing or a high school thing? It was, it was study abroad okay. and, uh, I had to take political science classes, which was great. It wasn't what I cared about, but it seemed to be a, a fun way to learn about politics to sure. just go to another country and learn about their perspective. Um, and yeah, like I, I just remember that our instructors didn't really care about it. So so our assignment like on a Monday was like, okay, we're going to be here for like an hour and just talk about what London's like. And, uh, and then your assignment is to just go out into the town and while you're at a pub or whatever, just, you know, ask, ask the bloke next to you what he <laughs> thinks about Obama or McCain. Sure. And, uh, and so I remember being at a bar and, and asking people and, and they, they, they love talking about it. Oh, okay. so, so yeah, I mean, it was. And it wasn't it wasn't so divisive like it was in, in this past election. I'm sure it was just a way that it sort of brought us together. I think because we we got it was an easy way to make friends. I guess with people from that country. So yeah, it's pretty divisive all over at this point. Because even <sighs> yeah. in London, there's the Brexit thing on top of right. Everything yeah, else. that that nothing like that was happening at the time. So they they didn't even have anything to talk about back in 2008, yeah. other than us. So they loved it. All right. That's interesting. <laughs> Be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to talk about you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, okay. So um, so what was the, okay, I, the, it's an odd question. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the environment in which you, you grew up from a spiritual standpoint mm -hmm. and from an artistic standpoint? Mm -hmm. um, because often what will happen is, it, it, it is sometimes one or the other. Mm. Uh, people are born into a very religious household and thus art is viewed with suspicion. And then the person has to kind of get there on their own. Right. Or uh, it's a not suit. It's maybe culturally religious or just not religious at all. And very art positive. Right. Uh, it's, it's rare, but not, not uh, unheard of, but it's rare for both to be the case. I feel very mm. fortunate myself. Mm. Okay. Um, so, so what, uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, what did it look like in the Stracely household? Um, Oh, in the Stracely household. So I, from a young age, I kind of understood what like Catholicism was. Cause like, mm -hmm. as I was, I don't know, I, I was probably like seven or eight when I was like really learning it. Cause my parents were Catholic. Ah, but then they transitioned out of it. So just as I was sort of like learning that a little bit, they were like, no. Just to keep you on your toes, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, and, and like, I guess looking back, I should have been very excited. But it sort of turned into a very like, mm, I wouldn't describe it as like a fire and brimstone Christianity. But oh, okay. it was a very like, we're still following all of the rules. And that's sort of what comes right. first, Christianity. So, um, yeah, I, I think um, just as far as like what I watched, most things that were PG were probably the highest rated thing I could watch. Hmm. So, um, oh, what I'm trying to remember the the kinds of sh oh there. I mean, there was a lot of like very much encouraged 
Andy Griffith show, sure. Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie. Like those are those are like I would say the typical like uh, conservative Christian household in of all you know my friends and family in Indiana. Those were like the staples yeah. in their home. Been off for years. Been off the air for years. Shows like yeah. that, but TV Land, you know, revived it all. Yes, for that's us. right. So, um, but the the other thing was at the same time, I, <laughs> I from a young age, you know, I probably had a secular friend or two oh, when I was. I know, scandalous. I, yeah, it was uh, when I was in elementary school, and uh, and and I remember. Uh, I think it was one of the Final Destination movies hmm. was one of the first movies I saw that was sort of kind of blew my mind. I was yeah. like, this is what there's there's like a story where like you have to like think about it, like in terms of like a thriller and yeah. like and, and there's I don't know how much you need to think about the Final <laughs> Destination movies, but sure. sure. Yeah, there was there was uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I can't remember if that's even what it was, but it was something along those lines that that like the the scares and like a little bit of gore like it just really appealed to me for some reason and uh and shortly after that i i asked for editing software for like my for christmas in like fifth grade i was like Neat. mom i want to make some movies um is that okay i'd like <laughs> like this 70 dollars editing software in yeah. 2002 so <laughs> not great do you remember what it was it was called Pinnacle Studio. Okay. Yeah, I vividly remember what it was because I remember hooking up this giant device to my JVC uh, VHS camcorder where you actually put a VHS tape into oh, wow. the camcorder. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I remember um, capturing the video of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say, like, uh, just in the earliest years, it was – it was kind of forbidden to watch anything above a PG hmm. rating. Um, but I'd say uh, going into middle school, high school, my parents got a little more chill yeah. on that rule. And, uh, you know, they let me watch things like Lost, oh, which was a huge deal to me. Um, and everything I started filming and editing became an offshoot of Lost because uh, yeah. that's all I cared about. Uh, so, yeah, so so I think they kind of... They, I think the biggest thing for them was the fact that I was so interested in movies and TV that caused them to look at it a little bit, uh, a little bit, uh, in a way where they could examine it and, and say, this is an interest, uh, that my son has and, um, and he's creating these things that we like, even if they're bad, you know, yeah. but, uh, but it's, I think it's different than just being someone who just consumes TV and movies, right. you know, in a Christian household where it's like, you could easily dismiss it. You could be like, this is trash. This is garbage, whatever. But because of the fact that I learned about how the process works, how like I learned from a young age, like how a script breaks down, um, uh, like rising action, like mm -hmm. the fact that like, uh, stories kind of have to wrap up, you know, um, they liked that I was researching those things and they were impressed and they, they kind of saw the value in the art. And I, I, I think actually the thing that did it for me, um, in kind of allowing them to let me watch more things I wanted was I, 
I really got into comedy stuff for a while. So I made, I actually in sixth through eighth grade made a 20 episode TV sitcom. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> uh, okay. So you each one, each episode full length, 22 minutes. I knew at the age of 12, all the other boys out there playing soccer and football, but I read online that an episode has to be 22 minutes long in order to fit the network standard. <laughs> now, did you get your friends to act in this? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I forced my friends to act in this. And my cousins and whoever was around, my mom, my dad, <laughs> my dog. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was a show called Meet the Greens, and it was about just a bunch of weirdos that, that all lived together. And they... and. I'm trying to think of like, yeah, like the, the season finale was a wedding between two characters that you were kind of rooting for during the season. And, uh, and, and it was a two part finale. Like I, I, I knew too much. Like I had, I, I knew that like you had to do an opening credit sequence and then I knew that after that you had to put more titles after that while at the beginning of the episode, like you would put who the guest stars are and you'd put who edited it and everything like that. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And, and like the best part was definitely making my family laugh, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's not like I, I, I added a laugh track to it. I captured <laughs>, laughs from online and whenever I had three different laughs, I remember I had like a mild laugh and sure. then I had like a medium laugh and then I had one laugh that was a little bit uproarious and had some clapping in it. Right, so like, right. so if there was a moment where I knew this was a great joke, I would overlay that laugh. And, uh, and sometimes I'd even have the actor, probably me, just kind of wait a couple seconds till the laughter finished to then finish the line. <laughs> I knew too much. I knew too much about sitcoms and about the rhythm. And uh, now obviously you should upload this to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I Each should. episode, just with a week in between. just And That's see if right. people yeah. jump on it. They're still on VHS tapes, so I'm yeah. going to have to get that out somehow and figure out how to do that, but... So, yeah, uh, so we are sitting uh, currently in my office with my DVD shelves stripped mm. bare. My closet is uh, getting to the point where it's totally cleaned out because my wife and I are going to be moving soon. And so I was uh, I was packing my VHS tapes, which features, you know, some of them feature raw footage <laughs> from uh, uh, films that I made. Oh, that's uh, in, great. In high school. Yeah. Uh, and then some of them are the actual finished films. Oh, and right. when you mentioned the idea of forcing your friends to be in these. Right. Uh, yeah, I think, <laughs> I guess everybody did that. Yeah, uh, it's true. So I made, uh, I made a parody of Night of the Living Dead called Day of the Zombie. <laughs> and, you know, we're a big thing. Like when you were, when, when you're our age, uh, when, when you're like a young, oh, yeah. a young boy, it's like, yeah. okay, well. I love Mel Brooks and I love, you know, space balls and that sort of thing. And so I want to do that. What am I going to do? Make a, a serious drama? I don't think so. Um, yeah. You were realistic even from that young age. Like, yeah. You can't do what am I? Yeah. Yeah. What do I know? <laughs> um, and so I, uh, and I, I, as I was looking at the, at the day of the zombie, uh, cover, which I designed myself in, uh, paint, what is it? <laughs> I use Microsoft Paint. Microsoft, also. Paint? Microsoft yeah. Paint, yeah. So I, I did that cover. And so as, as I was looking at it, I realized that my parents bought me a camcorder. And the first thing I did was make, I, I shot the first few scenes of Day of the Zombie and realized that, you know what? We have to return this camera. 
because I want this to be in black and white and it does not have a black and white function. Um, and so we returned the camera and then I had my friends come back and reshoot the stuff we had shot because like, no, if I'm going to parody night of the living dead, it needs to be in black and white. Um, and I forced my parents to go return that camera they got for me for my birthday. And Whoa. so, uh, but yeah, it's so to me, that is not unlike you saying like, well, we need a laugh track. Right. It's like, well, no, if I'm parroting yeah. this black and white movie, then mm. it is dumb for me to do it in color. Of course. Yeah. It makes it's no a, sense at all. It, yeah. 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 So, uh, it's, it's that kind of thing that I feel like, you know, that you're a movie person or a TV person when there are things, it's just, there is only one way to do this. Mm hmm. You know, these need to be 22 minutes and Hey, a season finale with a wedding. Of course it's a two parter. How sure. could it not be? <laughs> um, and so that, uh, that fascinates me. So obviously I don't know when you're going to, when you, when you go back home to Indiana, but when you do, you should yeah. grab those VHS tapes, take them to a, a place, uh, that can, uh, send them over to via to uh, a DVD or uh, just have a digital copy made and then upload them to YouTube and we can all watch them. I'll feature, I, I'll feature them on more than one. Oh list. gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been meaning to do that for 15 years now. Yeah. It's been 15 years, which is crazy. So man, then the other thought I always have is like, well, why don't I do a reunion episode? <laughs> <laughs> it's been exactly 15 years. Let's get the old cast back together. Somehow I feel like your friends are less likely to allow you to force right, them yeah. to be they into it now. It, it, that's the other thing I thought about is like, it is a big ask to have people commit not only to, I'm not making a movie. I'm making a series over the course of a year yeah. while they're all, everyone's in school and like yeah. <laughs> the parents have to shuttle them over every weekend to shoot for eight hours. Yeah. And then the friends that you don't force to be in it, you force to watch it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I even had one friend that, that was a character who disappeared for a few episodes because I wanted there to be behind the scenes drama where that actor wanted to go on and do better projects. Is that, that's how would anybody know that? That's the thing is like, I think that people would know it because their favorite character was leave like it would it would create buzz within the people watching the show like oh that character Brad like he he he's leaving the show like he he's going off to live in Chicago that's what happened but but in reality he went off to go do movies but then he came back for the finale and that brought even more buzz to the finale he came to the wedding of his friend Michael Oh, I'm, I'm starting. Really <laughs> I'm starting to think that you're some kind of savant, but uh, because nobody cared, obviously nobody cared. No, I, I cared, and like I think that like that was enough. That must have been enough for me. <laughs> so it's not merely that you knew TV and knew sitcoms and structure and all that sort of thing. Right. You knew about the con about the the industry of right. sitcoms, knew, and you knew that that's something that occasionally yeah, happens. Yeah, I think it was like. I was like, wait, why isn't this actor on the show anymore? And, I, and it just blew my mind. I was like, why wouldn't that person be on the show? And so then I logged into AOL and I find out why. And, and, and it, it was crazy. It was like money. Like they're doing this for money. Yeah. That's something that always got me is this like, for example, uh, so I've been really into Silicon Valley lately uh. and it's common knowledge at this point that TJ Miller is going to be leaving. Right. And yes. so I've been, Good example. I've been rewatching episodes with Jen. And as I watch them, I realize that like, you know, the character of Ehrlich is not officially necessary, but he adds much needed flavor to the show. And 
I don't, and, and you know, TJ Miller, not that there's necessarily a breakout star because there are a lot of people on that show that have gone on to do a lot of other things, mm. but TJ Miller is, is a guy who, uh, has a certain kind of state uh, screen presence that kind of allows him to be in other things as well. And so I think he's going to go on to bigger and better things, but I just, there's this element. I felt the same way about Donald Glover with uh, yeah, community where this, one. this idea of like this show made you. Mm. So how about this? How about you make the show, mm. you know, just go until it's done. Right. Right. It's, you know, and, in, and I know that's dumb of me because people have their own reasons for doing something, but you know, I remember when I would be in a play and then we would, and then it would just end and I would feel like, and I would miss the character I was playing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that person doesn't even exist, you know? <laughs> and so just much less the idea of missing the people that I'd be working sure. with, missing the the show itself. And just, I don't know, I, it's, it's judgmental and you never know what somebody's reasoning is, but it's it true, does. Yeah. I, I get the, the feeling though. It's like, it's like, uh, I think about the show three's company when I think about this, because yeah. I think about Suzanne Summers okay. and how she left. And so... <laughs> I always and hated that show. When you I was, did? Oh, when I was okay. younger, yeah. Well, I wasn't allowed to watch it, but I thought it was ah. funny, so I did anyway. But uh, I, uh, but I remember they did like a tag where like she would talk, call them in at the end of the episode, like every episode, even though she like wasn't in it because mm-hmm. of whatever. But like that's that's what I think about with like T.J. Miller on Silicon Valley. Is like why not have him shoot for like two hours a week where he just calls in and checks in with his buds? He's just. You know, <laughs> I know it's, it's not, it's not what the show is. It's not, I mean, right. it, you know, but it's like, but yeah, for, for people who are like, yeah, I like the whole cast. Like I, I, I like TJ's character. Yeah. Um, we just want to hear from him once in a while. Well, and it's weird because the, the do you, you watch Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His character is an odd combination of overconfidence and, and just the right amount of confidence. He's, he does know things and he knows things that other right. people in the show don't. Yeah. You don't completely dismiss him because right. of that. It's like he has, yeah, he's got some credibility to him. Like he knows how the industry works. He might not be able to manipulate it, right. but sometimes he is. Yeah. And he's, he reminds me in some ways of Michael Scott from the office in that yeah. regard. Like there are things he is good at. And when you see him do them, sure. it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when you remove him, there are other people in the show that know how it works, but he's just this interesting combination of traits and, and his absence will definitely, uh, I don't know if it will necessarily, I don't know if I could, if I would say it, it will hurt the show, Yeah, but he's an integral part of it. I right. think so. Yeah. It's like, cause like my next thought is like, what are they going to use to fill that void? Right. They know what they have and like, are they, is it another character? I don't know. I mean, I guess and I, honestly, uh, okay, sorry, everybody. We, we'll oh, get yeah, back we're to things. And, but for a while, are you caught up on it? Have you watched? I haven't watched this this new season, but I've seen the okay. previous seasons. Well, in this new season, not to spoil anything uh, too much, but there's mm-hmm. there's the the possibility of Gavin Belson working with Pied Piper. Oh, okay. Uh, or with Richard specifically on this new project. Right. It's like, okay, he's a guy who's also bloviating, also overconfident, but really knows how the industry works. Yeah. He could be an interesting uh, replacement for Ehrlich and be his own thing. Oh. And he's an already established character. Okay. And so I thought like, oh, that'd be interesting, but it looks like that's not oh. what they're going to do. <laughs> but they, they might have set it up so that that can still happen. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So there are, there are options, but I do feel like the, there's, there's just an energy to him mm-hmm. that the other characters don't have. And yeah, I feel like yeah. it will, he'll definitely be missed. Okay. I'm sorry. Moving on. Right. right yes. So you are steeped in more TV than film. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So you hate movies. You love TV. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel like, um, TV is something I've always weirdly been passionate about, but movies for me in the past few years have really like, like I, I've been really into them, hmm. um, but but a very specific genre of movies, which is horror, mostly. I think I forget that. I forget horror. of you. I forget. Yeah. I guess you know when you when your first R-rated movie was a Final uh, Destination. Uh, film. That's true. Yeah, I think that might have like the early the early things I watched maybe made made me that way. But um, but it is mostly all I care about now. I I go see every horror movie the night it comes out. Wow. Yeah. I have a you couple should... people that I that I see every horror movie with, and we always make sure to see it right away. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. Some friends and I, including friends of the show uh, Reed Lackey and mm. Jason Aiken, it's looking like we might go to Halloween Horror Nights this this oh, year, great. and uh, you should come with us. I will go. Okay. All Absolutely. right. It's a deal because they have <laughs> the thing that got me is they have a a shining maze. Is uh, that new? That's new. Oh yeah, because I hadn't heard of that, and that sounds way better to me than like a zombie coming. They probably have that building. too, and that's fine. Yeah, um, they did one. Uh, I went a few years ago. Yeah, and it was you know terrifying and exhausting. <laughs> um, but uh, then apparently the year after that they had a Texas Chainsaw Massacre maze, and throughout it they uh, there's the smell of cooking meat. Oh, and I don't know wow. if you know anything about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but uh, they eat people. They cook people and yeah, eat them. Yeah. And so if you're walking through this maze and it's like the smell of meat. Ugh, that's horrifying. That, that's, I did. I do remember rough. hearing about that, that people loved that. Oh, I'm sure they would. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, it's, it's something that you can, it's basically smell vision from like the 1950s, <laughs> but it's not a thing you want to smell. Right, right. Also, it's just like, oh, good. Now you've now because smell is most linked to memory. It's like, Oh good. Now when I smell meat cooking, like for real in life, now I'll have this horrible memory associated (laughs) with it and I'm going to be a vegetarian now. Um, anyway, uh, that's right. I forgot that you're as much of a horror person as you are. That would explain why you'd recently seen, uh, it comes at night, right? Yeah. It comes at night. Right. So, and you did not care for it. No, it didn't. I think the, I mean, we're not going to talk about it, but I think the problem with it was that it was, it's a different movie than it was advertised to be. Yeah. And, uh, and that sort of, and in a disappointing way, because I think, um, a lot of movies that try to be vague and like, sort of like mysterious in their mm-hmm. advertising turn out to be great because you don't right. know what you're expecting. And then it, it sort of blows you away because it, it, it takes a different direction than you thought. Uh, this does that, but in the other way. So, yeah, I feel like, uh, a lot of people were upset with Crimson Peak uh, mm. because it was it was seen much more horror, and it is horror, but it's an old school like Hammer horror, Gothic horror type of thing, which I love. <laughs> I like it a lot more than it was advertised as. Sure. But a lot of people were disappointed. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's the other side of it. Um, but anyway, okay. So you, so you went to you went to college, and then from there, what did you do? Yeah. So I uh, I got really oh the. the the like random poli sci uh, trip to London I took, which was again just to go to London, uh, landed me an internship at the Daily Show. Hmm. That is actually what got me 
my first, that's my first, like, I guess my first TV gig. Mm -hmm. Cause like, I didn't really care about the political stuff either, but they liked that I had done that. Uh, so I got hired as an intern. So I did that while I was in college, um, in New York for a few months. That was a lot of fun, very immersive. Uh, and then I moved to LA right after I graduated, a week after I graduated college. Wow. I didn't know one human being in this city, not one. And what year was that? This was 2011. Okay. Um, May of 2011. And so, um, so I, <laughs> I managed to get a job as a PA, an office PA on Desperate Housewives one month after I got to LA, which is un, unheard of. Yeah. Because it, it was a staff job. It was like I was on the staff. It wasn't like day playing on set. Right. I was one of the members of the staff. So I had that job for the entire last season of Desperate Housewives. And then from there, I met my friends, my crew, and I haven't had to look for a job ever since. That's the cool, crazy thing about that is yeah. like it, once you get in with a group, then you're sort of good to go. You know, if you prove yourself and you're, yeah, you know, and you get along with people. So I've been very blessed in that way is like I've it's been it it just was it just past six years that I've been here and I haven't I haven't been without work. Yeah, you've worked in the industry yeah. for as long as I've known you and as long yeah. as you've been here. It sounds yeah, like it's yeah. Six, seven years if you count Daily Show. Now what uh what are some of the other things that you uh have worked on? Yeah. Um after Desperate Housewives, I went to Weeds. Okay. And then I went to Parks and Rec, which I was on for three seasons. Um, and in between, I did Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the pilot. Okay. And I did uh, Devious Maids, a season of that, which was the the other Desperate Housewives type show on Lifetime. Uh, then I came back to Parks and Rec uh, because I was getting a better job there as like mm -hmm. a writer's assistant. Um, and did that for the last season. And that's sort of where I got, um, that's, that's sort of where I landed with my like sort of main group of people I've worked with, uh, in writer's room since then. Cause that was my first sort of writer's room job. And from then I worked on uh, master of none season one. I did love season one on Netflix and I did a show called, uh, better late than never, for NBC, which was uh, actors like William Shatner, uh, who else was that? Um, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, a couple, a couple like older actors who were going to experience Asia for the first time. So that, I mean, that was a fun like short little gig. And then um, took a few months off, did a little acting. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> okay, just for a second. <laughs> All right, now. Here's what here's what fascinates me, and it's something that became kind of a joke in men's group, is that, uh, you know, admittedly, you were in the writer's room, you were not a staff writer, you're a writer's assistant, and that is not what you want to do for the rest of your life. Mm. It's different than being an actual, like, a staff writer mm. or something like that. Yeah. But you're still in the room, and you're getting to know people, really good things happening. Um, but there was a joke in our, uh, in our uh, men's Bible study that you just... 
you just decide you want to do something and then it happens. Right. Like you, like we have, we had actual actors in our group that oh. were struggling for every role. And then you decide on a lark to decide that you want to act. And then you got a number of things. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> you know, uh, but let's talk about one of them. So there was, there's a film, it hasn't come out yet, but it will be coming yeah. out probably yeah. this year. Yeah. It's looking like that. It's looking by around maybe Halloween ish. All right. Well, that makes out. sense. It's a horror movie. You it like is. horror movies? Yeah. I have, yeah. I have to assume it's the kind of horror movie you would love to see. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's the perfect movie, some <laughs> might say. It's a blend of comedy and horror. Okay. And what is it called? It's called Pledges. It is called Pledges. Yeah. Um, and if it's okay to get into some of the details. Sure. Uh, because... Uh, and I had forgotten, I've forgotten about the acting element, not that you do much of it, uh, but you have. Yeah. And I do remember that there's, you know, it's a horror movie and with like young college age people. So <laughs> yep. of course, as one would expect, there's like sex and nudity and that sort of thing. Oh, fa- yes, fairly is. exploitative. Right, um, right, right. And I remember that, uh, you texted or called me uh wondering what you what what opi- what opinion i had on you uh, doing a certain scene yeah um the funny thing is uh i mean i i knew there was another guy in our group who is an actor and sort of wouldn't do a scene that would involve like sex or nudity or right. whatever but I mean, I wasn't like that. I didn't have that same view. And I kind of, I knew that you, uh, you sort of, um, it's not that you share that view necessarily, but I knew that you can appreciate, uh, things more that, that might be considered bad in a lot of, you know, Christian circles, but, uh, and not that it's not bad, but, I, I, I kind of texted you because I was like, this doesn't seem terrible no. to me. Uh, it doesn't seem like I'm compromising my morals to an extreme. Right. Uh, and like I I felt it was okay. And I, I have just a brief uh, a, a brief, <laughs> a brief moment in the film <laughs> uh, where you might see a little bit of my butt. Okay. So uh, and um, it's very, very brief. Yeah. And it's from far away. Okay. Uh, it's in the woods. It's dark. Well, and it's, and it's interesting because this is, you know, this is something more so I'd say than writing and certainly more so with directing. Like if you are a Christian that is acting, yeah, you know, you have choices that you need to make. Right. Sometimes there are larger choices about like, Maybe even like I'm not I know the nature of this film, so mm-hmm. I'm not even going to audition for it or. OK, well, I got the part and now they're asking me to do this thing. Yeah. Uh, do I fight against it and must possibly get fired? Who knows? Um, and so I one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about it is because this other guy in, in group, he had one he had one set of convictions. You had another set of convictions. And I'm of the opinion that neither one that it's it's not necessarily for you guys a moral issue it can be a, it could be a moral issue for people who opt to see it yes um and even then yeah. i think that's a function of conviction um right and, and that, that was part of our discussion as well right it was it wasn't just like mine because like i i think i had i differed uh from the other guy because to me it wasn't something that would sort of be would sort of cause problems for me i guess right um and again, that's, I think to the, that's the minimal 
um, like the, that's how small the scene was also. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think, and you know, definitely like, I mean, I prayed about it. I talked to you about it. I talked to yeah. other people about it and I, I still don't think that I made a bad decision and other people might disagree. Um, but, I, but the other thing is like, I am playing, I'm playing a character in the movie who is a bad character anyway. And it's a yeah. character and it's, and it's, I, I think that also having the ability to separate that from real life uh, is, is something I thought about as well. Yeah. I was like, this is kind of a fun jerk that I'm playing and yeah. he's kind of dumb. And, and, and it's just, I, I think it's more, it's just part of who the character is, you yeah. know? And I can understand getting a lot of flack for that. Sure. Uh, but, but, but so, I mean, we'll talk about this maybe uh, more with like my writing, but like, I don't, I don't believe in having a totally clean, totally, you know, just like a G-rated pro. Like, I, that's not the kind of thing I want to write, and I don't think that's the kind of thing that I'm meant to write. Yeah. Or and and I don't think that's the thing I'm good at writing. You know, yeah. I I think the kind of thing that I like to see is portraying characters who are bad. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the kind of thing that I like to do, um, and uh, and I think that's necessary. And I mean, I think that there's a good deal of that in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and not to say it's just for the sake of being bad, but, or even just making people laugh, which is what I think the character played in the movie was mostly doing. Uh, but, uh, but because I think that, that, uh, that that's an interesting, that I think that everybody has sin and is broken and, uh, why not show that? Yeah. And as, uh. As friend of the show and uh, fellow uh, Ball State uh, <laughs> graduate Doug Jones says, yes. is that like you know this character is going to do this anyway, uh, oh. whether you play him or not. Right. That that's that was another big part of our discussion. I forgot. It's like should a Christian play this role or should a non-Christian play this role? Maybe yeah. maybe it's better that I did it versus someone else who might get into more trouble with it. Yeah, and it's and somebody who and honestly I, I I'll. I will bet that most actors uh, and, and certainly actresses mm -hmm. who are probably asked to do it a lot more yeah. and maybe even expected to do it a lot more. Um, I think that regardless of their of their uh, beliefs, I think they probably do ask themselves a lot like, am I really OK to do this? Yeah. Um, is this something, you know, because when you put yourself out there, it's you. It's, right. It may be the character, but it's you as well yeah. uh, when it comes to nudity. Um, and so I do think that it's something that people need to need to ask themselves. And maybe some people are just okay with it no matter mm -hmm. what. And that's, that's up to them. Mm -hmm. Where I think I start to get a little, for lack of a better term, judgmental um, is usually if, if the director does that flippantly. Because the mm -hmm. actor is putting themselves out there yeah, and being very vulnerable. And if a director is doing that, like, ha this will be fun, or <laughs> is a little bit sleazy about it, which you do hear about. True. Um, that uh, that's when I start to be like, okay, you're, you're abusing your power and yeah, you're, absolutely. you're taking for granted how willing people can be uh, to not necessarily advance their career, but like, you know, they're taking this character seriously as you did. Like mm -hmm. this guy, he's kind of dumb. He's not a good guy. He's doing silly, you know, gross stuff. 
like you're putting a lot of thought into your character, not to imply the director is not, but let's use this as an example. You as an actor are justifying this in your mind from a character standpoint and not, and it would be frustrating to me to know that a director is not putting in that level of consideration because he's not the one that's going to be naked or partially naked in front of the whole world. Yeah. And I think, yeah, definitely. I think I would have objected had that been the case, but I felt like we were very well taken care of. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing about that. And, and just, uh, about the experience that I forgot about. I haven't thought about this in a while, but, uh, that sort of, I came out of the whole thing feeling good about it. And and this, and again, this just brought more respect, I think, uh, for me, for other actors who, who have done those things where like, maybe I would judge their decision, but I, I have no right to do that, yeah. you know? And it's sort of like me being in that position sort of made me think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for myself and, uh, no one, no one can, no one should be judging my actions and right. like, they don't know because the other element of this is, uh, one of the other actors was a Christian guy that I, had known already weirdly like we we didn't know we were going to be in this together and then Mm. on like the day that we got the script we found out um but uh but but there were a lot of late nights because we filmed outside in the dark the entire couple weeks we shot and uh and 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 so we were there's like six of us that are like the main cast the main pledges and uh and there were a lot of nights where in between scenes, we would all be sitting in a cabin like by the fireplace and we talked about our faith and our different beliefs and things like no. that. And like that wouldn't have happened if we weren't there. You know, no. it's like that's another thing of like, well, if a Christian actor wasn't here, how would this have gone? You know, so so I, I sort of I, I feel like that's the biggest takeaway in that these people are now good friends of mine. Yeah. Um, and we all sort of know about each other's belief systems and, and it was really cool to be able to talk about my faith, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure that that was the same, uh, experience the other guy had. So to me, that sort of, uh, trumps everything else in a way, you know? Yeah. Cause that's life and you know, that's sort of what that's all about. So. Yeah. And I feel like if you're in a, if you're in a position like that and you have talked to a number of people and you've prayed about it and you feel like this is the thing to do, there's always the possibility that you're wrong, whatever that might mean in that circumstance. But at the same time, my guess is it's rare that you're going to put that much thought into it and, and seek the counsel of people that you trust. And then you do it and God does nothing with it. (laughs) Right. God's like, well, I wasn't super in favor of this (laughs) or, you know, it could be, even if it's just conversations, like for example, um, uh, friend of the show, Doug Jones, and also a fellow, uh, ball state, uh, uh, alumnus. Mm, Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, he, uh, he was in a film called Legion, Um, Right. right. Which is not a good movie, by the way, on a number of levels. And it's very much, uh, very much uh, spiritually oriented. It makes God sound like kind of a jerk. Um, And Doug was, you know, as a Christian, he's like, well, this is certainly not the, I'm not thrilled (laughs) with the idea of God being seen this way, but it allowed him to have a lot of conversations during and after the fact. Um, where, because now people are just going to come out and ask him this, which leads him to just be able to say everything he wants to say as a Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, if he had said, you know what, I don't 
really want to be a part of a film that's going to be so actively against God. Right. Uh, if you were to say that, I'd be I'd be fine with that too. You know, sure. it's just it's it's according to somebody's. It's uh, true. Yeah. Convictions. It's your own. Yeah. Your own convictions. Yeah. So uh, now speaking of belief systems, mm. let's let's get to your current and most exciting <laughs> writing job. Which is right. which is the good place? Yeah, tell me good about place. the good place. Uh, yeah, so the good place was um, the show that came after Parks and Rec. Uh, Mike sure created, uh, and uh, it's interesting because it's it stars uh, Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. It's on NBC, and it, it it's it was originally conceived of sort of uh, in more of. Uh, it, Mike wanted to explore religion more mm-hmm. in the in the beginning phases of this, and and because it's a show about the afterlife, that makes sense. Um, however, after he did some research, he realized that it might be a better show if he dealt with uh, ethical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the first season's already come out, so I'll just say I could say a little bit about that, which is uh, it has to do with a woman. Uh, named Eleanor, who is played by Kristen Bell, who <clears throat> finds herself in the good place, which is sort of like heaven. And the sort of god of this heaven is Ted Danson. Um, but the twist in the premiere is that she realizes that she doesn't belong there, that mm-hmm. he thinks she's someone else. Ah. So she sort of has to hide out for the season. Um, and along the way, you know, she she makes other friends and, and like – and sort of the goal for her is to become a good person and right. sort of like a second chance after you die. Um, and one of the interesting components of the first season was a point system, which is how they uh, how they determine who gets to the good place or the bad place, which is the other place. Uh, and it's if you have a high enough point value, which I think is like in the millions is what the highest point values are. And that, that's for doing things like charity work and, you know, just like saving someone's life is like yeah. automatically like 700,000 points uh, or even like letting someone go in line in front of you is a few points. And they sort of total that up from from your life. Um, and so one of the interesting discussions we had during the first season was talking about um, what some cultures might give points for others would not. Right. And so, so it's sort of like, it, it always goes into sort of conversation about religion um, and, and how like that is where a lot of people's, I guess you could even say like ethical behavior comes from. So it's even like sort of wrapped up into that, yeah. you know, unintentionally. Uh, so I think the show does a really good job of sort of separating that. Um, yeah. And we actually like, didn't get any sort of like backlash from, any groups that thought yeah. they were portrayed, you know, in, in this way or that way. But, um, but yeah, it was, it just, it really just ignited many very interesting conversations in the writer's room, which was a lot of fun because people would come in and talk about things that happened in their own life and what they think would, um, equal a lot of bad point values. And like Mike uh, always likes, he liked to cite, and he said this in a few interviews that, one of the worst things a person can do is uh, if you're in the left turn lane and you're the fourth car 
yeah. and you go and you go <laughs> when the light is red and they're all going through, then you're one of the worst people <laughs> that exists. So, and I think that's kind of true. And I do that sometimes talking during a movie. Is that a is talking that... during a movie? That's actually, that's, I think that's one of the ones we highlighted in nice. the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Talking during a movie is bad. That's, uh, we, that was unanimous. Everyone agrees on that. All right. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was pretty great. And then, um, season one ends with a huge twist. Yeah. Um, and that sort of kind of secured our season two because it, it really, um, was unexpected and critics loved it. And, uh, and so I think it sort of kind of solidified, uh, our season two, in a way. which is fascinating because <clears throat> the, because tw- I know what the twist is, mm-hmm. um, or at least I kind of guessed what it was when someone said there was one and everything about it seems like a series finale twist yeah, that gets you to think back on everything exactly, you just yeah. saw. And I think that's part of the fun because like the fun of that is like people thought of it like that, but we like, we already had so many ideas for after that, yeah, which is so cool. And, and like, And in that series finale way, this is the thing I liked about our finale last year was um, it goes even a step further. Mm -hmm. And like you actually see scenes beyond what you think the end of it is. Yeah. Which is cool because like it's not the traditional way you end even with a twist. It's like because like those leave you wanting more. You know, it's like what's going to happen? But you actually see a little bit of that at the very end which I thought was really cool. And so, um, and we actually just got our season two premiere date yesterday, which is September 28th. All right. So that's pretty exciting. Now that's pretty exciting. Oh yeah. Yeah. But what's the most exciting thing? (laughs) Oh geez. If I could, if I rack my brain for a second, I think the most exciting part of the season is that I got to solo write my first episode of TV, which is very exciting. I'm writing the 10th episode of the 13. All right. Of the season. Um, and Pivotal I'm, episode, I guess. I don't know. You, it, you, would know more, <laughs> you would know more than I would. I do actually know a little bit about it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it is actually, it, it, it has something very big happens at the end of my episode. And that's very exciting to me. Now, of course, with this, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, Mike Schur is very hands-on. So my yeah. guess is, is he the one that determines episode uh, like uh, season arcs and such yeah so yeah. like you didn't you didn't come up with a twist and then add it like <laughs> no, someone said no, here's no, no. what the twist is make it happen exactly yeah what happens is like everyone sort of breaks the season in the room like mm-hmm. he has sort of like a vague idea and like the biggest plot points i think yeah and then everyone kind of fills that in and right. then we sort of we had like a chart that sort of broke it down by what big things happen in every episode um and so uh so yeah, so he he sort of had that all mapped out. And the way the the sort of like my responsibility was to fill in uh tie up all the loose ends, sort of like write the dialogue, the jokes, the uh write all the scene, I mean like obviously write all the scenes. But um but it was cool because I was responsible for a lot of like emotional material between some of the characters. Um because it's kind of an emotional episode also. So Um, so that was pretty great. And then again, today was the table read for that episode. And so it was really cool hearing all the actors read it out loud for the first time. Uh, so we could see what jokes worked, what jokes didn't work. Like, uh, and to me, the thing that really got me in this one was those emotional components. And like, again, that's what I, that's what I like about Mike's shows, because if you look at like Parks and Rec, 
Um, the characters all care about each other a yeah. lot. Uh, there are, I guess, some mean jokes, but like they all love each other, which sort of makes you care about them, and, and so then you become more invested. And it's actually something that bothered me in the last two, like the last season or two, is that everything was actually so positive that it felt like there were no stakes. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that could be the other side of it. And I think that's sort of why this show is good because there has to be stakes in this yeah. show. Yeah. So like, it's like, you know, as much as everyone likes everyone having a party at the end of every episode and just being <laughs> yeah. happy, it's like, well, bad stuff's happening. So that's not entirely possible. No. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, Still, I think very different than most. A lot of shows that sort of just rely completely on jokes, which then yeah. you don't care about the characters and you don't yeah. care about what happens. But this is also a very plot-heavy show. So, yeah. Is it? This is something that's always fascinated me uh, when I when I've talked to people that write for TV and you know they write a script like five seasons in. And so it's like, okay, so the character voices have been well established at this point. <laughs> right. um, is that harder to do where you have to lock into, I guess the story beats are still kind of dictated to you, but when it yeah. comes to writing specific dialogue, do you find it harder to write for characters that you didn't create? Um, or is it easier to do that? Yeah. I actually think that a se season two is a sweet spot for writing because okay. the characters have been established in season one, yet they haven't been tired out in terms of like the jokes and, and yeah. their voice. So like there's, there's like at the same time that I'm writing jokes that are familiar, I can, st you can still bring out things that are new about them, Yeah, you know? And, and it's like, and it's sort of still adding to their personalities, which is really cool. Um, so I think that that's a good time because like you just said in a fifth season show, yeah, it just, I feel like everything just can get really lateral. Yeah. Like you, like the jokes are just all sort of the same note. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really hard to, you know, to come up with some new good stuff. It's why I think it's why people say that like the Simpsons around season nine or, mm. or 10 started getting not bad, but certainly yeah. subpar because like, you know, it's still, it's still funny from time to time, but there's yeah. only so many different ways you can make Homer dumb. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's true. The, I don't know. And, and it, I think it's why I think for me, it's why Futurama works so much better is because first off, there are fewer seasons, yeah. but also the nature of that show and the weird sci-fi fantasy element <laughs> allowed you to explore more things. Whereas yeah, totally. In Springfield or almost any other show, uh, you are limited by the, by the limited world that is created. But I guess that's one of the things about a show like the good place is that it's fairly high concept. So mm -hmm. if nothing else, you could revert back to the concept and explore <laughs> that some more. That's fun. Yeah. Because like we, you know, introducing like, a lot of like sci-fi magical elements early on. Like that's, that is a whole other layer you have to play with, yeah. which is fun. So, uh, so the table read today mm. and then the shoot is tomorrow. Shoot is tomorrow, which is very crazy because that is not normal for TV. It's like, yeah. that's a really quick turnaround. Yeah. So must we, be a good script. Mm, that's the way I look at mm, it. That is a great way to look at it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes, yes. The, yes. Very uncommon. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to be a good shoot. Now, uh, we do need to look towards wrapping up cause we're going mm -hmm. a little bit later than we expected, but I did want to talk about one thing very briefly. Um, or not briefly, you're welcome to talk as long <laughs> as you want. You're okay. the one that has an early call tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So one thing that, that's interesting, and so I've known you for a few years now, and in the last, I'd say, year or two, uh, a common thread in our conversation has become uh, a growing excitement and passion for you uh, for Christian media and a desire to work within Christian media. Mm. Um, where did that come from? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a very good question. I think a lot of it came from sort of earlier faith-based films and my frustration with them. And also the, 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 frust- the most frustrating thing I find uh, in, I guess, if you call it the Christian film industry. And again, I think I'm referring to the Christian film industry as a couple years ago as okay. it is getting better. Yes. Um, but um, is why, why are we making movies for Christians by Christians? Like it, to me, it's like, I, I guess I understand um, in terms of like Christians do want content, but like, yeah. why does it, why use such a powerful medium to only like, to give Christians material. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, why aren't we using that to invite others in to see that, like the things we believe aren't are loving things yeah. and, and like inclusive of everyone, because we sort of, we, we all share our lives with people who aren't Christians. So why, I mean, why, I mean, I, I don't know how much I can say about Christian movies. And well, my we've, said a, on we've said a fair you, you amount. Did. On you, here. you said a little bit, and it made me think I can say this, which is I, I have just a a big problem with 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 movies like with concepts like God's Not Dead, which is like like coming right off the bat hot about uh, why non Christians are wrong, and we need to have a debate about this, and like yeah. I need to prove I'm right about yeah. this, and like where I'm going to be victorious in the end, and. Um, and I just think that's such, such a bad attitude to have. Like, like I, for example, okay, I'll, I'll say this too. I, I, I was writing for a long time scripts that didn't have anything to do with faith because I was like, I'm going to write for what the industry wants. You know, I'm going to write like this edgy, whatever stupid thing that I don't really care that much about. And it wasn't doing anything for me. And I finally wrote a spec, uh, TV show, um, that was about a group of Christians who are like bad people. Right. And that got me attention. And that's the thing that finally, like, like I got a manager, like I, like people were interested in reading it. And I, and I, I would say it's a little bit of like the inverse of a faith-based film. If you look at it, like I have, they make friends with like an agnostic character, you know, it's like, but like, but that character is in the script could be seen as a better person than any of the Christians. Yeah. And like, I like that because I see that in my life every day. I see people who don't share my beliefs who I'm like, oh, that, that person's better than me. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I look at it like that. And I think that that could be a good attitude to have, you know, if, if you're just, if you value people mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I feel like I've really learned to value so, so many different people of so many different backgrounds uh, that, that I, I think that that should be shown in a Christian like production, you know? And I think that's an interesting thing. I think showing diversity and, and and not demonizing people who don't believe, you know, I, I think that's, that's, that's the way to go. And like, I think that's what I want to see more of. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, that's sort of where my passion is right now. And I, and the other, the other part of that is I think there can also be good Christian, like not, and I've, I, 
Yeah, I would I would say still Christian. I think there could be good comedy yeah. within Christian the Christian world, and I don't think that's something that we've seen a lot of. You know, and I don't think Not it doesn't have comedy, to be no, <laughs> right? And it doesn't have to be like outright Christian material. But I think having a redemptive message with with comedy is is that yeah. you know, and, and like and like the the Christian show I wrote was sort of a dark comedy. Um, but I think that, and, and sort of the theme of that at the end was like, everyone is a messy person. Like everyone has messiness in their lives. And so if people call you, you're a, you're a bad Christian. Like that's like, you know, I think that's funny when people call people bad Christians. (laughs) Yeah. It's something that I've been thinking about. I, the, the church that I, that Jen and I started going to recently, um, is a much smaller church and the, the sermon this past week was one that was interesting. You know, at, at this point, like it's pretty rare to hear a sermon that I haven't heard, yeah. but sometimes the details, it's like, mm. that is something that I, that hits me a certain way at a certain time. Mm. And, you know, and so he was talking about, the pastor was talking about like, uh, was the Holy of Holies, the, the, the room in the temple that you needed to, you couldn't go, you literally couldn't go into because it's where God dwelt, mm. <laughs> uh, and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if dwelt is the right <laughs> word, but, uh, right. you know, you had to ma- do the proper sacrifices. You had to cleanse yourself a certain way right. because you're in the presence the pure presence of God. And this idea that, uh, you know, that's what, that's what the curtain was that got torn in half. Like when, when Christ finally, uh, died, yeah. um, or was or was resurrected. I forget when when exactly it happens, but um, thus you know signifying that no, God doesn't live here anymore. Mm. God is everywhere, mm. and that you don't you don't need to cleanse yourself. You don't need to make the proper sacrifice sacrifices in order to stand before God. And so, like so many of us, have this attitude that, uh, including me, that okay, I've you know I've I was cruel to my wife in some way. I don't mean like, you know, bashing her in the head or anything, but like I said something mean to my wife or I looked at porn or whatever, you know, whatever thing that, you know, whatever thing that you at home might have done that you feel like is, is horrible. And maybe it actually is horrible, but we feel like, and I remember the, the way the pastor phrased it, he said, okay, God, I know that was wrong. Uh, give me a couple of days to like read my Bible and not <laughs> sin and essentially give me a minute to cleanse myself and then I'll come and do the right things. And then I'll come to you and I'll pray for forgiveness <laughs> and I'll just start approaching mm. you again. It's like, no, 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 you don't have to do any of that. No, You can even in the moment in, you know, even while you're doing this thing, even directly after you do this thing, you can say, yeah, I did this. Right. And so like, when it comes right down to it, the bad Christian, the quote unquote bad Christian is the one who does not accept grace. Yeah. Like is the one who doesn't actually believe this stuff and doesn't act on it. Like, yes, you can be flawed and yes, you can sin and you can make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes have consequences. Often Mm -hmm. they do. Uh, you can try to escape them, which is not necessarily a good thing, but you know, a good people act like a good Christian is the same thing as being, uh, a perfect person. And it's like, well, no, a good Christian is simply the person that acknowledges that the sacrifice has already been made yeah. and they're not going to be perfect. Right. Right. So, 
Yeah, that's because I remember you telling me a bit about uh, this this script, this series that you were writing, and it was very exciting to me. And I found myself, but at the same time, I got disheartened because I thought like, no Christian production company is ever going to want to bankroll this because because they. Uh, I feel like yeah. honestly, the 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 attitude itself behind the making of these films kind of acknowledges the concept of it kind of buys into the idea of the good Christian and the bad Christian. And we can't possibly show a bad Christian. No, you know, at least not the way some people refer to it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's always been the sort of frustrating thing for me is like, it it does seem like, well, you can either go this way in the Christian film industry, which is the G rated all four Christians way, or you can go the opposite way, which then leads you out the door and you're suddenly just in the other world. You yeah. can't, it, you can't exist in that world yeah. with, with a PG 13 R rated, you know, Christian. Thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, in a way it's, it's, it's like the point system of the good place and the bad place, which is like, all right, if you get, if you have a PG, all right, yeah. acceptable, right. we're not thrilled with it. Exactly. It's like you have a PG 13. Okay. You've got some yeah. negative points yeah. going on. Yeah. R rated. Oh, I'm sorry. That's too many <laughs> negative points, right. which is um, then, which is basically like you're saying ranking sins. It's like well, pretty much sin yeah. is a little bit worse than that sin. Yeah. So, which we all absolutely w- believe, right. even if we try not yeah. to. We can, we'll show a whole bunch of gluttony. Sure. But, uh, but you know, we can't, we don't want to see someone getting shot. Yeah. Or, or we will absolutely show someone getting <laughs> shot, but we don't want to see, we'll show violence, but not gore. Right. Gore is gross. Violence. Well, it's, you know, it's fine. We saw, we That's saw true. We saw violence in the old West. You know? So it's <laughs> sure, fine. Yeah, Gary yeah. Cooper committed violence. <laughs> I think they <laughs> shot someone in Bonanza once. You know, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, when I was a kid, I hated bonanza so much. Here's why I don't, I don't like the word bonanza to this day. <laughs> so it's I even, don't that, like it's the just word. that. Yeah. As, as, when you're, funny. when you're a kid, yeah. that's enough. <laughs> um, what does it mean? I don't even, a bonanza is like when you, uh, it's like a, when you strike it rich, it's like, Oh, it's oh. A, like, if you like, uh, like if you strike gold and it's a huge gold claim, it's like, Oh, it's a bonanza. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't hear it day to day. You don't, <laughs> except for the, the except for the people the who watch the yeah. show every day. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, that's I do I do really hope that um, that as the Christian film industry gets better, as you were mentioning, I do hope. And as I say, like when I go to the International Christian Film Festival, I talk to viewers. I talk to creators and all of them want what you're talking That's about. That's very encouraging. The question then is, will the money people allow that? To That's happen? what it is. Yeah. It's, so. <laughs> and, and, and I think that like, I mean, I, maybe you've heard of may, more people who are wanting to finance things that are, you know, I don't need, I don't know. I, and I, I wouldn't even describe it as it's not just, gore or sex or cursing or whatever for that it's yeah i I think it's 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 always going to be done in a way that it's earned because to me if it's not then it is just garbage you know sure so like there's no way like me or other writers that that have the same ideas would set out to just do that you know it's like 
And, and I mean, and, and this is such an old argument now, I guess, but it's like, if you talk about how the Bible is like the most R rated thing you've right, ever, you right. know, it's like, but that, I don't know if that even is like a, an excuse anymore. Well, what I'll <laughs> say is you use the word earned. I would uh-huh. say everything in a movie needs to be earned. And that includes a sharing of the gospel. You know, there are people that will say, oh, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. There are people that will. Frankly, there are people that would say that a, that nudity is never earned. And then they'll just very haphazardly throw the gospel in. Yeah. And they will throw it in just as cheaply as someone will throw nudity into it. Right. Right. Um, because and often for the same reason, you know, yeah. people who make, you know, a certain type of raunchy comedy or a horror movie, they'll throw nudity in because like, well, this will get certain people in. Well, there are plenty of Christian filmmakers that throw a, a gospel message or a, or a conversion scene or something. They'll throw that in. It does not feel earned. Mm-hmm. And it th- they throw it in because they know this is how I can satiate my audience. Yeah. And yeah. so if it's done for that reason, which and they might think that because of what it is that they're doing, that that uh, that make that vindicates them. Mm-hmm. And undoubtedly, God can still use it and has used it, which is marvelous. But that doesn't mean that what that they haven't made a cynical choice. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's I really do want there to be uh, a change in the Christian film industry because I, and I do want there to be a Christian film industry mm-hmm. like I, I've seen Christian films in which they talk about the gospel. And I myself in that moment, I feel like. Oh wow, that's sincere, and I know it to be true, and and I don't hear it very much. Like I feel the same way as everybody else, sure. but, but then I have to realize, like, uh, they didn't actually earn this. This has yeah. this is kind of apropos of nothing, and now I feel like I'm just being manipulated or pandered to. Um, so to find, so I right. do want that, but I want it for real. Yeah, I like that, and I like I I want the audience to feel valued enough to where. Like I care about them. Like I, that's what I feel like these writers should say is I care about the audience enough to uh, write, to work hard on something that they will enjoy. And it, it doesn't feel like you're just copying and pasting a sermon in, you know, like, like the earning thing is a great point. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I want, I want the audience to sort of step back. And I think we've had a discussion about this yeah. and, demand better content (laughs) than to just be like, well, this is available. So I'll pay for this, you know? And again, I I know like (laughs) it's easy to say this about Christian films, but I think it is worth noting that there are some good ones. And and I I really liked one you recommended to me, which was believe me. Right. That one I was very happy with because I, I mean, it had a PG 13 rating, not that that's why, but, uh, but it, but it had jokes in it that made me laugh. Yeah. And th- and that was that was such a foreign concept to me that before I saw that I was like this this doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. But it does exist in one movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a single film. In a single film, yeah. And so I was like, oh, this can be done. And, and uh and people enjoyed that movie. And uh and then the other one, The Case for Christ recently, yeah. which I thought was very good, very well done. Um so it, it's again, it's it's encouraging to see that these things are happening and I think there will be a lot more of it. Like I'm yeah. very um optimistic that uh the climate will shift a little bit and we'll see more of a variety. 
Yeah, I think it's slow going. There'll be, you know, sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's two step for two steps <laughs> forward, one step back. So, you yeah. know, you gotta it, take the good with the bad, and uh, and as always happens, I'm uh, I'm interested to see what the industry will look like in three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, and I hope that you are a part of it. Um, Me too, because it's very fun. it's it's very rare, honestly, to find people who have success in. I'll say mainstream. I don't like the the term secular. I'll say mainstream. Yeah, it's mainstream. mainstream television, mainstream Hollywood. It's rare to find people that are successful within that and then choose to move <laughs> over to Christian film. Sometimes it's people right. who are just like, eh, the only way I can get anything done. You know, there there are stories. I'll just I, do this. I know of one person. Uh, I've not met him, but I know people that know him. Uh, who is, to my knowledge, not a Christian at all, mm. but has lied. And said that he is, and he makes movies that are Christian in content because it's how he's able to make money. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just a big old phony. Um, (laughs) And that's, and you know, who knows maybe, and God can probably still use that. But at the same time, like when you have an audience and you have an industry that's so desperate to be, if you'll pardon me, to be pandered to, yeah. then really who says that only a Christian can pander to you? Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, that's fascinating. But yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for this episode of the good place for you. Yeah. And, uh, I know that it's something it's you've been exciting. working towards is, is actually getting to write an episode of something. Um, and, uh, listeners be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll announce it when it's actually coming up in the meantime. Uh, is, is the good place on Netflix? No, it's on Hulu. On Hulu, yeah, that's like, right. The whole okay. season's on Hulu okay. right now. First so, season. So, so uh, if you have Hulu, which I unfortunately do not anymore, mm. um, but if you have Hulu, uh, check out the Good Place, and uh, yeah, we will uh, we will catch up with uh, with Tyler when he's running Hollywood, or more specifically when. Uh, <laughs> When Pledges comes out. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I have to assume one will lead to the other. Ah, uh, you're I right. I don't know what order. Yeah, I mean, either. It's part of the fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right. But uh, but yeah, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. For, for being here. Yeah. So, uh, and thank you. thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye.